Today's scripture reading is found in Luke 14, verses 15 through 24. Hear the word of the Lord. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell all those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Dave, for reading God's word to us. Dana and team, thank you for leading us in worship. Good morning, Trinity Church. Thank you for being here this morning. So good to see you. So great to have this opportunity to worship together. I'm Pastor Jeff Gangle, so it's my pleasure to worship, welcome you to this worship time if you're here for the first time. And uh, just a quick word about uh, what we do here at Trinity. We, uh, even though we don't pass plates or bags for the offering, we do. Uh, a lot of folks give online. A lot of folks give to the boxes. There's one in the back and there's one out in the foyer. And, that's there available to you any week that you have a gift and offering that you're bringing. But I specifically say that because I want to say thank you to you as a church, for our church family. As if, you, if you watch those numbers that we put out each week, you know for the first six months of this year, we were a bit uh, running behind on our uh, budgeted giving for the year. And, uh, but in the last two months, June and July, the summer months, which oftentimes for many churches are a slump in giving, we have rebounded, and we are right on track. And uh, many thanks to Dave Dunbar, who read this morning. That's what made me think of this. Dave is our treasurer, and along with our finance committee, um, manage our funds, uh, steward, steward our funds here at Trinity Church. But a special thanks to you who are giving so generously so that the work of God can continue on here. So thank you for that. And uh, let me just say another thank you this morning. You see this beautiful table, and if you now that you've heard the passage for this morning, it probably makes sense that this table is here, a visual for the banquet that Jesus tells a parable about. And uh, so my thanks to Lanny Lambert and Mimi Kaziki, our deacons, for decorating, who con consistently every week provide flowers and all kinds of beautiful things around to make this a beautiful place. But this morning went the extra mile to... Uh, to entertain a pastor's wishes <laughs> to put a visual for our service and our sermon this morning. So thank you all for doing that for us today. And uh, I want to lead us in prayer as we open this morning and uh, 
And remember, a couple of prayer requests. Last week, Sunday, we prayed specifically uh, for Mark Pereira. We need to keep praying for Mark. He seems to be doing a little bit better this weekend, but still has a long road ahead of him with a serious infection in his body. So keep praying for Mark. And uh, also, Bert Boudet, one of our elders, had shoulder surgery this past week. If any of you had that, you know it can be a brutal difficult, painful surgery, and it was, and he is still struggling with a lot of pain even four days or so out of surgery. So as you think of him as well, pray for Bert. We're going to pray for both of those as we go to God's Word this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we thank you so much for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to lift praises. What, what, a, what a glorious time this has been already this morning just to join our voices and to sing about the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to sing about your kingdom, to sing about heaven, to sing about that time when we anticipate when you will be proclaimed as King of all the universe and when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so, Lord, we anticipate all that. With the, when we sing this morning, when we proclaim your names as blessed Redeemer and Savior, it's a reminder to us that you have, by your grace, saved us from our sin and given us this hope that we have, this assurance of heaven, of eternity, of life with you, a relationship with you, all that we celebrate and sung, have sung about this morning. So, Lord, all that fills our hearts with joy and thanksgiving. And out of that, Lord, we come to your word and we want to hear from you. We want your word to speak right into our lives and to our hearts and, and to move us and to change us and to help us be conformed to your image because that's what it means to be followers of Jesus. So, Lord, I ask on my behalf and on behalf of our church family this morning and anybody that may be listening online as well that you would use your word to accomplish your work in the lives of your people. And I pray that you'd keep me and my words from getting in the way, help me to accurately communicate what you once said this morning so that your word can do its work. Your living word, by the power of your living spirit, can do that work in us that you want to do this morning. And we will give you all the praise and all the glory and all the thanks for that. And Lord, we understand too that we come this morning with burdens and struggles and hurts and pains and sorrows, and you know that as well. You know our needs. I pray that you would minister to us. And specifically this morning, we pray for Mark and that you would bring healing to his body, fight this infection, and restore his health. We pray for Bert that you would diminish his pain, and I pray that this recovery from surgery would move along well for him. Lord, others that may be struggling this morning, minister by your Spirit. Give us your peace, your joy, your hope, and teach us by your Word right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Forty years ago today, Beth and I said, I do to each other. Thank you. I was 17, Beth was 16, so. <laughs> no, we weren't quite that young, but it feels like it, it looks like it, looking at the pictures now. We pulled that out just to, as a reminder today, and wow, 40 years ago, we got married July 31st, 1982, and uh, our wedding was in Beth's hometown, St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada, and so as most weddings, we had a lot of friends and 
family members who came to that wedding and celebrated with us. One of the things that we did at our wedding, and it's, this is kind of a, a Canadian tradition, Mennonite tradition. Beth comes out of a Mennonite uh, family and denomination. And so one of the things you do is you have a pretty big meal. So we went after the wedding to Beth's parents' house. It was a beautiful day, so we we're out in the backyard. Beth and I were opening up presents and get wedding gifts and uh, the family and friends were gathered around, people everywhere, too many people to do a formal sit-down dinner like is beautifully arranged right here. So this was food kind of served outside, just kind of come and get it. And so people were carrying plates around everywhere in the backyard. And this was, if you've never had Mennonite cooking, then you just haven't eaten yet. <laughs> because it was a lot of good, delicious, homemade, home-baked food. And it's memorable to me and special to me, not because it was just because it was great food, but because this was our wedding feast. And the Bible tells us there's going to be another wedding feast. And I want to start this morning with that passage. It's a passage we're going to put on the screen right here. It's from Revelation chapter 19 about the wedding of Christ who will be the bridegroom and the church, that's us, will be the bride. And there's going to be a wedding feast in heaven to beat all others. So would you read this passage with me on the screen this morning? Revelation 19, 6 and 7, and we skip to verse 9 and get a portion of that. Let's read together. Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. What a beautiful picture that God's given to us. What a great hope and expectation that this wedding feast is for us, for Christ the bridegroom and the church his bride, and we have this to look forward to. And in this parable that you heard read this morning in Luke chapter 14, it's as if Jesus is anticipating his own wedding feast. He tells a parable about it. And you got to love this story because it's, it's really a story in a story. Jesus, get the, you get this, he, he's attending a dinner party at the home of a Pharisee, and as he, they're sitting around the table, he tells a story about a great dinner party. I love this. I mean, what better place to tell this story when they're right in the setting? And it's a parable about the most important invitation ever extended to the greatest celebration ever planned. If you're not there already, please turn to Luke chapter 14. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to use it this morning. If you can find one on a, under a chair and around you or pull it up on your phone or device, whatever you have with you, I'd love for you to follow along as we go right through this parable of Jesus this morning. We're in our series, of course, the Upside Down Kingdom. It's been our summer series. And today we're talking about the kingdom for everyone. I love this, a kingdom for everyone. Luke chapter 14. And in this passage, Jesus has been invited to the home of a prominent Jewish Pharisee for a meal. This would happen sometimes. Really interesting, the ministry of Jesus, sometimes he was eating with the outcasts, with, with the, the tax collectors and the sinners, and other times he was eating with the religious leaders and the Pharisees, and that's where he is this time. And it's not just this particular Pharisee that's hosting the meal, it's a number of other Pharisees and religious leaders that are there as well, attending this dinner party. And they're there 
watching Jesus carefully, as they often did, just waiting for him to do or say something controversial, something that they can catch him on, right? And Jesus doesn't let them down. If the first verses, I'm just kind of summarizing the first verses of Luke 14, then we'll get to the parable. So first thing he does is he heals somebody. Somebody's there, probably a plant, a, a person that needs healing, and Jesus heals him even though it's the Sabbath. So that got under the skin of the Pharisees, of course. And then he sees them vying for the most important seats around the table, and so Jesus chides them for that. He turns to his host of the, of the dinner, and he challenges him that he should be inviting the poor and the lame and the blind to his dinners rather than just his rich friends and neighbors who can invite him in return for a nice meal at their house. So at this point in Luke chapter 14, Jesus has basically offended everybody in the room. He said something to challenge everyone there about what they're doing or thinking or what their motives are. And so one of them at this point in verse 15 decides to maybe even to cut the tension a little bit, and he offers a toast essentially. Verse 15 says, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And it's a great statement. It's like, yes, absolutely, that that will be great. And probably others were around saying, hear, hear, well said. But what he was meaning by that statement most likely was, hey, all of us here, these religious leaders, we're the cream of the crop. Isn't it great that we're going to be around the table at the kingdom of God? That's the point he was making. And Jesus challenges that too. We've been talking about the upside-down kingdom, right? And here's another upside-down kingdom principle, something that they didn't expect about this kingdom Jesus was talking about because he He said, you know what, you better think again about who is going to be there at this feast and who's not going to be there. You might be surprised. So let's take a closer look. Here's what we have this morning. The first part of this is the invitation to attend a kingdom banquet. This is the invitation to the banquet. Verse 16, he launches into his parable. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. Now, the first thing you have to understand with this parable is the insight it gives us into the social culture of Jesus' day. You need to understand how these kind of things worked. When a host was going to have a dinner party, there would be an initial invitation that would go out, kind of like what we would do today with a save the date. So it's like, hey, this is coming up. Maybe not all the details yet, but get this on your calendar. So the invitation had already gone out. And then When the time came closer for that feast, that celebration to take place, then the master of the house would send a servant out to let people know, hey, it's time. This is it. We're at the date. Everything's ready. Come on. And it seems clear that Jesus is identifying. Of course, in his parables, there's always a spiritual, there's there's something that he is picturing with this, and probably he is describing God's invitation to the Jews. They were his chosen people. They had the initial revelation of God and the law and the, from the prophets who came and told them the kingdom of God is coming. So that was their save the date. That was their first initial invitation to God's kingdom. And Jesus had now come, like the servant, to say, it's time. It's time. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was Jesus' message. 
And so Jesus is picturing that with this great banquet story. And it's a great invitation, too. Did you notice this? What the master tells the servant to say is, everything is ready. In other words, the master had taken care of it all. The table was set. The food was ready. All the people needed to do was show up. Just come. You know how it is sometimes when we have potluck dinners here at Trinity? And if it's potluck, then you know to watch, you know, say, if your last name begins with the letter A through G, you bring a salad. If it's H through O, then bring a side dish or a vegetable. If it's P through Z, then bring a dessert. You, you know, you kind of have this assignment. If the invitation goes out and it's, it's, a, it's finger foods, which has always seemed to me like a strange thing for a meal, but finger foods, then what that says to me is, this isn't a real meal. It's just going to be finger foods. But if, the, like we had this past spring, where the deacons, our amazing deacons, did everything for us, and our Wednesday night fellowship dinners, all we had to do was show up on Wednesday night at 6 p.m. and knowing that everything would be ready, the tables would be decorated, and the food would be there, and we just had to come and enjoy the fellowship. Wow, that's awesome. And that's what this invitation was. The host is sending out the servant to say, it's all ready for you. What a beautiful picture of salvation. God's invitation to this heavenly banquet, He's done it all. He's provided everything we need. We bring nothing to the table. There's nothing we can do to help supply something there. We don't earn anything. We don't gain anything by our own good deeds or by what we bring to the table. No, God has done it all for us. Everything is ready, he says. Come to my banquet. I do it for you. It's just a matter of accepting the invitation. Now, something else to note here about this banquet invitation and again, a little bit of cultural explanation here. In the Middle East, and it's often true today too, by the way, in some parts of the world, in, in Jesus' day for sure, feasts like this were a big deal. Uh, they were often prompted by a celebration of some kind. So a wedding especially would be maybe, maybe a multi-day celebration. And it could be also given a, a feast maybe would come as, as a part of a religious sacrifice as well. The sacrificial system for the Israelites often included these kinds of celebrations and feasts. And so at a, this, was, this was a big deal. So there'd be music and dancing and food and, and wine, and the meal was kind of the center point. It was, it was the main attraction, if you will. And so guests would recline, and various artists have tried to find ways to kind of help us see this because it's so different from the way we eat meals, you know, not sitting at a chair in places around the table. It was kind of lounging out, sitting, because they'd be there for hours. This, they would take their time. And I know this would be a little uncomfortable for us, but you would actually, they didn't use utensils. You just kind of take the food and use the food, kind of dip it in and use one food to dip out another kind of food. And so everybody's hands are in the food together and rubbing shoulders with each other. That's the way the feast happened. Because you see, a celebration like this, a meal like this, a banquet like this was all about the fellowship. It was all about the relationships. 
If you got an invitation, this was not just an invitation to a meal, it was an invitation to friendship. And by accepting the invitation, you were accepting that invitation to friendship. So think about this in contrast to the way we typically do meals today, especially like our drive through So you go, you go through a squawk box and talk to something, and you go up and a hand reaches out and hands you your food. Or if it's like Chick-fil-A, which this could only be Chick-fil-A on a Sunday right here, right, with an empty drive through you might actually have a person who comes out and takes your order, but it's still, it's just about getting your food. It's not about building a relationship with that person that's giving you the food, that's serving you the food. And the same thing, even more so since COVID, right? So a lot of takeout, you just come and it just comes in a bag and you take it home or it comes DoorDash, it comes right to your front step and the food is just left there. It's about the food for us, often not about the relationship. But in this case, in Jesus' day, in Jesus' parable, In God's banquet, it's about the relationship. So God's feast is an invitation to a relationship, a friendship. Christianity is an interactive dinner celebration with the God of the universe. It's not a drive-through religion where you pay your bill and grab your grub and go. It's about a relationship. And so Jesus says, the banquet is ready. And I have a chair for you. So how have you responded to that invitation? How did the guests respond in the parable? Here's our second point this morning. Here are the excuses that keep people away from the kingdom banquet. So to everyone's surprise who was hearing this story, and we'll talk about that more in just a minute, the, the invited folks, now remember, they already had to save the date. Now comes the invitation. Hey, it's time. Now the excuses come. Look at verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The host is planning on their attendance, but when the time comes to attend, they find reasons to beg out. Here's the first one. I just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Now, I, this really seems to me like a lame excuse because who in their right mind would buy a field before seeing it? I mean, you just wouldn't do that. You're not going to buy a piece of property until you see what it, what it is, what, what's there. And so if this is a, well, I've just got to go back and, no, I, I saw it, and I bought it, and now I've got to go back and see it, well, then that's, that's even more, maybe more lame because that's just a rude excuse to not go to the banquet. I just want to go see my property. I want to see my stuff. Or this one, I just bought five yoke of oxen, and, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Now, again, would you really buy a used car without taking it for a test drive? Would you buy five yoke of oxen without making sure they can actually walk and carry an oak, a, a yoke, an oak, pull a yoke with an oak? I don't know. You wouldn't do that. This is a lame excuse. I just got married, so I can't come. Now, this one sounds pretty legit. Okay, you got married. Okay, that makes sense. But in those days, again, you didn't just suddenly you know, go to Vegas and get married. There would be planning. There would be similar to this kind of celebration. So at the time of the first save the date, this person would have known that they were going to have a wedding celebration coming up, and this was part of their plans. This would not have just happened all of a sudden. Oh, oh, wait, no, we, we had just got married, so we can't come. It's another lame excuse. 
And get this, the, the religious leaders hearing Jesus' story, they would have been appalled at these excuses too. In their day, in their culture, you just don't give these kinds of excuses. So Jesus was specifically giving examples that he knew they would be appalled at. It's like, I can't believe it. No, they can't give those kind of excuses and not show up, which is exactly what Jesus wanted them to be saying. Because they were rejecting God's invitation to his banquet. See, the master had shown honor to these guests by extending the invitation, and the guests were responding with dishonor. And we don't know if the religious leaders got that comparison or not, but it's certainly what was, is what was happening to Jesus. John 1.11 says this, He came to that which was his own, his own people, but his own did not receive him. You see, God had chosen the Jews and invited them into this special relationship with Him, and Jesus had come to say, the banquet is ready, the kingdom of God is at hand, and they were rejecting Him, the one bringing the message. And there's another application, double application here really, because this applies to us, not just to the religious leaders at the table. This parable speaks to us as well, because a lot of times we fall back on our own pitiful excuses for not spending time with God, for not entering into that relationship with Him. Sometimes we leave an empty chair at the table when He has invited us to His table to fellowship with Him, to build that friendship with Him, and we say, oh, Lord, uh, sorry, I got something else to do, right? We do that all the time if we're honest about this. And when we do that, we miss out. We miss out. So let me give you an example of this. Um, a few years ago, Beth and I went with the team, missions team from here at Trinity. We went to Poland. Some of you that have been here for a while remember this trip. We met with a group from Belarus that came. We did a whole week of, of gospel presentations and English classes and so on at this, at this camp. And uh, it was a wonderful week. And so it's kind of a picture of all the, the Belarusian folks that were there as well as our team of, I think there were five or six of us there from Trinity. And the last night before we were to leave, uh, after the service and after everything had been going on, so it was pretty late, 9, 30, 10 o'clock, they were going to have kind of a closing party. And so we, Beth and I talked about that. We thought, you know, it's probably going to be a lot of loud music and, and, and just kind of fun and games. And we were the, you can kind of maybe tell looking at there, we were the, old, the oldies in the group. And so we decided, hey, you know what, we better just, we just, we'll just go back to our room, pack our stuff, get to bed early so that we're ready for the trip tomorrow. So that's what we did. The next morning, we found out that the group from Belarus planned this as a surprise thank you for our group from Georgia. And we missed it. Why? Because we wanted to get our stuff packed and we wanted to make sure we got our beauty sleep. We missed the celebration. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, don't miss out on this opportunity for celebrating the relationship that you have with the Lord Jesus. You know, because even legitimate excuses, and it's not that our excuse for not missing that was, was a bad excuse. It seemed reasonable at the time, but even legitimate excuses can cause us to miss out on God's blessing. So look at the examples that Jesus gives here. A field, 
a field it probably represents possessions, just the things that we have, our stuff. Sometimes that gets in the way. The oxen probably represent our work, plowing the field, whatever your work is. Sometimes that can get in the way. A wedding would represent the relationships, important relationships in our lives that can sometimes also distract us from our fellowship with God. So our excuses may sound like, you know, I've got stuff to take care of. I've got work to do. I've got the, all these relationships in my life to manage. And again, all those are good things, but they, if they get in the way of our fellowship with the Lord Jesus, then they're distracting us and they're causing us to miss some of the blessings that God has for us. We miss the banquet. There are going to be opportunities this fall coming up, by the way, right here at Trinity. And obviously, a lot of this is just your individual choices that you make, just the time that you spend in prayer and in God's Word on your own. But there are also times where it's very appropriate and and helpful to do this together. This is part of what it means to be the church, right? That we are following the Lord together. We're in His Word together. We're learning together. We're praying together. That's what the church is to be about. And so there'll be opportunities this fall to get into God's Word together, whether it's a men's group or a women's study group or a small group here at Trinity or, or like every Sunday morning, those of you that are in the, our Gospel Project class that meets downstairs, there are continual opportunities to fellowship with other believers and to build that relationship with the Lord at the same time. Don't miss out on those opportunities. Look what happens next in the story. With all these excuses, the people who are invited don't come. Third, the unexpected guests that are invited to the kingdom, to the kingdom banquet. Look at the middle of verse 21. He ordered his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. So this is important here because we already know the host is upset that those who were invited have now made excuses and rejected the invitation. But he doesn't lash out. It's not like he says, you know, oh, we're going to go get those guys for not coming to my banquet. No, he says, okay, well then we're going to invite others. We're going to open up the doors. And specifically to those who would not normally have been invited to these kinds of banquets. The outcasts of society of that day. The very ones, by the way, that Jesus told his host back in verse 13 that he should have been inviting to his banquet. So Jesus puts it right into his story here. Why? Why the outcasts? Because they would not be able to return the favor. That's grace. Jesus is showing us God's grace in an opening his table, his feast, to everyone. God has shown us grace, and He wants us to show grace to others. He's forgiven our sin. He wants us to forgive others. He accepts us, no matter our background, no matter what we've done, no matter who we are, He accepts us and invites us, and He wants us to be loving and accepting of others too. Not just those who can help us, not just those who can return a favor, but those specifically who cannot. And he wants us to set a place for them at the table. He wants us to invite them. You know, if, a great example of this, if you've looked at your what's up today that Jason mentioned at the beginning, there's one little tiny line, I think it's the top right, that just says, save the date. It's kind of like, like we talked about a minute ago, save the date, specifically for our fall celebration. 
October the 30th, that Sunday, will be our fall celebration this year. We're having it again like we did last year. And if you were here at part of Trinity and part of that event, we had the opportunity as a church and over 100 volunteers from Trinity that made that event happen that day. We served over 1,200 people from our surrounding community here who came to that fall celebration. Because, why did we do that? Well, because we wanted them to know about this invitation. We wanted them in very simple ways to at least know we were out there to love on them and give the gospel to them in the form of a, a tract in the bag, in the form of people just smiling and loving on them, in other ways that we found to just kind of sneak the gospel into their experience that day. And we didn't expect anything in return. We didn't ask them to pay anything. We didn't ask them to give anything. We, didn't, we knew that most of them would probably never come here to Trinity Church. We would ne- they would never be here giving to our general fund at Trinity Church. That was never the intent. We weren't looking for people we could give to that would give back. We were looking to invite people to a banquet that God offers to them and those who may not normally hear that invitation out there. And many of them were spiritually the poor and the blind and the lame. And our job is to invite them to the table. So that's why we're going to be out there again. You're going to be hearing more about this and just encourage you, jump in and be a part of this because this is our task as the church. Yes, it's to worship together, to love on each other, to help each other, pray for each other. But it's not just to sit around the banquet and enjoy God's fellowship on our own. It's to get out to those who have not heard and don't know there's a banquet that's waiting for them and to invite them in and tell them about Jesus. And so Jesus not only takes this step, he goes a step further. Look at this in verse 22. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. There must have been a whole lot of seats at that banquet table. There's still room. And the master told his servant, well, then go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. There's the heart of God. And my house will be full. I want every seat filled around my table. So here it's not just the outcasts. Now it's the outsiders as well. He sends his servant out beyond their little community to find those out in the country lanes and bring them in, compel them to come in. And surely Jesus means by this the Gentiles. Those outside the Jewish faith were going to be invited too. And this, for many years even after Jesus' ministry, would be a tough pill to swallow for those Jews. The outsiders welcome to the table, to the kingdom banquet? Yes, Jesus says. That's the plan of salvation of God, to extend the ministry of the cross out and beyond to the whole world. And so from every tribe and nation and tongue and race, people are invited. That celebration that we sang about, the Revelation song this morning, about being people around the throne, that will be the most multi-ethnic celebration that there has ever been. That's God's desire. That truly is a kingdom for everyone. 
And notice how passionate the master is about the invitation. So he says, and compel them to come in. Compel them. Motivate them. Beg them to come. I want them to experience my table. So the master knew it might take some convincing. For these country folk might not believe. Yeah, what? No, surely the master's not inviting me to his banquet. They would need to be compelled. And, and for me, this tells me that even when we come across people who might not immediately respond to the invitation to the gospel, that we continue to pray, we continue to talk, we continue to invite, because that's the heart of God. The master wants them convinced. Knowing that some won't accept the invitation should not dampen the enthusiasm of our invitation. So the parable ends with this sobering statement, verse 24. The master says, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. So who, does he, who is he referring to here this, in this very sad statement? Well, he's talking about the first ones who made excuses who got the initial invitation and who didn't come. He says, they will never experience the joy and the blessing of my banquet. That's the sad news. Those who reject that invitation miss out on the greatest celebration of all time. Their chairs will sit empty or be filled by others. In his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, Philip Yancey tells the story that I'd like to tell you as well. It was 1990, and a woman and her fiancé were planning to get married. They were going to have their wedding reception at the Hyatt Hotel in downtown Boston. So they made, a, made this reservation. They went into the hotel. They picked out the menu. They picked out their dishes and the flowers and all this. And the bill came to $13,000, which... Back in 1990, it was a lot of money. Probably couldn't do a wedding for that nowadays, but then that was a lot of money. They had to pay half as a down payment, went on to the next thing, choosing the invitations and so on. Well, a few weeks later, the groom-to-be got cold feet and dropped out. No wedding. Broken engagement. So the fiancé, the woman, went back to the hotel to try to get her deposit back and found out she would only get a tiny portion of that back. She would lose a huge part of that. So you know what she did instead? She decided, well, then we're just going to go ahead and have, have a banquet. But not a wedding banquet and not the wedding guests that were on the list. She said, we're going to do a beautiful meal here at the Hyatt and we're going to invite the down and out of inner city Boston. And that's what she did. She sent invitations to um, homeless shelters. She sent invitations to um, rehab centers. Anybody that she thought would not normally get it, this kind of invitation. And she sent out those invitations until every seat was filled. And they came in that night and celebrated, ate good food, which, by the way, the menu was changed a little bit. She changed the main course to boneless chicken in honor of her ex fiance <laughs> they had this amazing meal celebrated music why would she do that 
why would she spend that kind of money on people she didn't even know? Well, the story is that 10 years before, she herself had been in a homeless shelter. Someone had reached out and helped her. Someone helped her find a job. Someone helped her get back on her own feet. So 10 years later, she wanted to reach some who were in the same situation she had been. She made room at the banquet. She invited them to a seat at the table. That's grace. And this is what God is saying, that that's His heart, and He wants that to be our heart. Now, maybe this morning, you've been wandering down your own country lane, and maybe you're far from God. Maybe you've never accepted this invitation. Maybe you've never said yes to Him then this morning can be the time where you get your seat at the table and you come and respond to Him and say, yes, God, I want your free gift of salvation. I want to be there in heaven at the wedding feast of the Lamb with all, all the rest of your church. I want to be part of that celebration. Then that's the response for you this morning. And you don't bring anything to the table. You just say, yes, I'll come and receive His gift of salvation by confessing your sin and receiving what Jesus did to forgive you of that sin. Maybe you're already at the table. Maybe you have your seat there. You have received God's gift of eternal life, and you are anticipating that. And the message for you and for me this morning is invite somebody else. Let them know about the grace of God. Let them know about the wonder and the beauty and the joy of this celebration that we're all anticipating. Be the servant in Jesus' parable. Go out into the roads and country lanes and compel others to come in too. And maybe sometimes that'll be the broken and the forgotten. Maybe that will be someone from your own family, from your own neighborhood. Maybe that'll be somebody that you work with, a friend. Tell them about the banquet because God wants them there. You know, do you notice Jesus doesn't really finish this story? This is it in our text, but it's kind of left open, right? Because he doesn't tell us who all ended up coming. He doesn't tell us how the dinner went, and I think that's intentional. Why? Because this, this banquet hasn't happened yet. It's still in the future. The invitation is still out there. There's still the hope and anticipation of more who will come to this banquet. It's our job to let people know about it. The master is waiting. The invitation is still open. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this amazing parable that gives us a glimpse of heaven, your desire for fellowship, the celebration that will be between Christ, the bridegroom, and the church as his bride. And so, Lord, in our anticipation and joy that this is yet to come, I pray that you would, Lord, put it on the hearts of those who have not yet accepted the invitation to do so quickly, and for those of us who have, to invite others quickly. And Lord, I pray that we would, we would have your heart toward those around us. As much as you want every chair filled, I pray that we would too. As much as you are anticipating 
the joy of this celebration, I pray that we would anticipate it that way too. And I pray, Lord, that you would encourage our hearts this morning with this wonderful invitation to come to your table. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.